Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. This is Pastor Jeremy. To enjoy good food and good drink with good people is one of the great gifts that God has given us. His word in Ecclesiastes repeatedly comes to this conclusion. Ecclesiastes 3.13, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. Then he says, there is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. Ecclesiastes 5.18, it is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. Again, Ecclesiastes 8.15, so I commend enjoyment, for there is nothing better for people under the sun than to eat, drink, and enjoy themselves. Finally, 9.7, go eat your bread and enjoy, with enjoyment and drink your wine with a merry heart. Jesus certainly lives this wisdom. We see him consistently spending time with people around a meal. He's either accepting invitations to dinner or inviting others to go with him. It seems to me that Jesus loved a good get-together. People gathered around a table enjoying the good things God has given with a thankful heart is good and holy. Today we are starting a new sermon series called Dinner with Jesus. Luke records nine different times that Jesus shared a meal with his people. For the next six weeks, we're going to work through these nine stories. Today, we'll read two of them. We start with Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax collector station, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up, and he left everything, and he followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others reclining at the table. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Sharing a meal with someone is an act of relationship. It connects you to them for that moment in time. You stop everything else that's going on and you sit down together and you share food and drink and the time to enjoy it together. This is true in our own culture, but the intimacy of a meal was even stronger in Jesus's culture. Remember, for the Jews, what they ate was a big part of what identified them as God's people. Eating with a Gentile or someone who's not a Jew was almost unheard of. Their dietary restrictions made it difficult. They couldn't eat pork or shellfish. They couldn't eat meat that had made contact with milk. The utensils had to be cleaned a certain way, and the meat had to be slaughtered a certain way. However, at this dinner, the Pharisees' problem isn't the food or the drink or its preparation. The pro problem isn't the cleanliness of the meal or with Jesus himself. Their problem is with the guest list. The Pharisees call them tax collectors and sinners. Now, tax collectors were not just outcasts. They were the enemy. They took the side of the Roman Empire who had conquered and occupied the Jewish homeland. Tax collectors rejected their own people and worked for the Romans for financial gain, and now their job was to participate in the Roman occupation and oppression of their own people, God's people. The Pharisees believed that God would deliver Israel when the, when the, from the Romans when they became holy enough. 
They literally saw purity to the law as a matter of national security and the path to their eventual freedom, so they worked hard to make sure that everyone was following the law. That means they saw who you eat with as a matter of Jewish identity as well as the means for securing freedom for their nation. Jesus rejects their system of purity. The Pharisees are building a strict guest list on the wrong criteria while Jesus is sending out an open invitation. They are so focused on people's outward appearance and status that they miss what God is about to do in people's hearts. We see that even more clearly in another meal that Jesus attends. This time, it's the Pharisees who invited Jesus to dinner. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 37. While he was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. Now the Pharisees were amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not the one who was who made the outside also make the inside? So give us alms those things that are within, and then everything will be clean for you. To wash before dinner was a cultural manner. Any respectable person did so. The way this ended up working out was that the poor and the outcast were always unclean. Respectable Jews were clean because they had the means to perform all the necessary religious duties. There was a whole system of ceremonial cleanness and washing. But Jesus out- condemns outward religiosity when empty of inward love for those in need. They were worried about what made them look good and ignored what is actually good, love for God and love for others. Luke eleven forty six, Woe also to you expert, experts in the law, Jesus says, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. They created a system that the poor could never keep, and then they did nothing to help them. Their religion created barriers between themselves, non-Jews, and the poor. Only the rich and elite had the time and ability to do all that was required. You couldn't be clean if you had, if you lived in a slum, had to work all day to provide for your family, or were not born into the right family or of the right gender. Jesus over, overhauls the whole system of clean and unclean. He declares us all sick and in need of a doctor, all unclean in need of washing. And then he died on the cross and rose again to make all those who come and sit at his meal clean. In one of the stories right before Jesus' meal with the tax collectors and the sinners, Jesus notices a leper, which is another category of persons considered unclean. And Jesus touches him. But something that shocked everyone occurred. Instead of Jesus becoming unclean and being infected by the highly contagious disease, the leper was the one who became clean. Jesus' cleanness, his holiness, is contagious. I think some Christians, like the Pharisees, are worried about catching unholiness or heresy, like it's cooties or something. If we let the wrong people in the door or let them touch us, we'll catch their sinfulness. That Jesus has come as the doctor to heal the sinner, not to quarantine them from his people. He invites them to sit beside us at his table. Listen, this is important. Jesus is not rejecting the cleanliness laws or the moral laws. Instead, he is fulfilling them. 
We don't do ceremonial washing or restrict our diets because Jesus has made us completely and perfectly clean. Those laws showed us that we were not capable of being righteous on our own. They revealed our need for a Savior. Remember, he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to heal the sick, and not just those who look sick, but also those who work hard to look righteous, but are actually very sick on the inside, just like everyone else. He doesn't hate the Pharisees. You read this wrong if you see them as his enemies. He is seeking to heal them the same as he is the tax collectors. However, he approaches them differently because they are currently, they are, of where they are currently in life. Jesus doesn't want to defeat his enemies. He wants to transform them. We need to learn to follow him in this strategy. Too often we view salvation like a race. We need to get ahead of people in order to win. We need to be able to look back and point at the people that are behind us that that's what the Pharisees are doing. They're delineating who is behind them for all to see, and they're hoping that God sees it. But Jesus flips their race around when he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. God has come for the specific purpose of saving those who are ahead in the race. But those who realize they are losing, and in that little statement, he lumps everyone together on an even playing field. Salvation is not in our getting ahead or being in front of others. It's found in simply coming to the feast that Jesus has prepared for us all and bringing others with us as well. Think about how rude it would be if you walk into the room and you look at all the guests welcomed by the host to his feast, his table, his home, and you say, what are you doing here? I can't sit beside you. And you try to move them out. That happens. About 700 years before Jesus' birth, the prophet Isaiah described a meal that all other dinners look forward to. Whether it is the communion we take together each Sunday, your dinner with your family each night, your family cookouts, or the meal that Jesus ate with the tax collectors and the others. Isaiah describes the same future meal that we see in Revelation chapter 21 when Jesus returns and gathers all his people together with him. And we celebrate the renewal of all things and return of the rightful king of creation. Isaiah 25 verse 6, the prophet prophesies, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the covering that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people. He will take away from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. If we believe Jesus' words, that he really is the Savior come to save the sick, then we must passionately commit to getting them to his table because we know that his goodness, the goodness of his presence and his ways and his work in our lives. Here are three avenues to focus on getting people to his table with us. Many times the simplest solution is the best solution. We start with invite people. 
Tell them about Jesus and his invitation to them. God gave you your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family for a reason to help get them to the table. There are people in your life that trust you and will listen to what you have to say about the gospel of Jesus and his ways that will never listen to a word I say because they don't know me. They don't trust me. Invite people. Statistics say that about 90% of people who attend church do so because they were invited by a friend. It's not that they like the music, the programs, or the pastor. Tell people about what Jesus has done for you and invite them to church. Welcome people when they come into this place. We want people to know that we want them here, that they belong here, that our Jesus has great things to offer them. The best way for you to do this is to welcome people, greet them, befriend them, help them have the best experience possible. Make sure people know how much we want them to be here. Remember, many people are shy of church. They are overcoming past experiences or fears or mistreatments or even if it's just a stereotype created by religious people. We must overcome the hurt to show them that we follow the Savior who welcomes sinners to his meal and not the Pharisees who wanted to separate from them. Serve in our ministries. Nursery and children's church both need people to serve. These ministries are essential for families to know that we want them here. These ministries enable parents to engage with Jesus through the worship service without stress and allow children to experience Jesus in an environment that is welcoming to them with people who love them and are focused on them. You know, Peggy needs help with visitor's gift and information cards. Let Peggy or myself know if you'd step up and help her with this important ministry greeting first-time visitors. Serve in outreach ministries. Come to the parade tomorrow night and hand out hot dogs, shake hands, invite people to church, and have a good time. None of us are righteous. We're all in need of the great physician to forgive and to heal us. He invites all people to his feast, to drink of the living water and eat of the bread of life. So come and bring everyone with you, because it will be the best party ever. God says so. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. If you would go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com, you can learn a lot about our church there. One of the things you can do is click on the First Time tab, and it'll tell you everything you need to know that'll make you more comfortable coming and seeing us for the first time. We start at 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning. We hope to see you soon. Have a great week. As always, love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.